0: Eric, our seminarian intern, and myself, we gave Father Jan a Christmas gift this year. And our gift was a free pass to go see a movie together and to go down to Lines, you know, the restaurant down there by the baseball field. Uh, Father Jan loves the sauerkraut, all that good German cooking down there. So, These Christmas gifts, these are the best ones when you can actually participate in the gift you're giving. You know, you give someone something, you're like, oh, I'm going to take you down and see a movie and go to dinner, and then you get to go down, and you get to see a movie, and you get to have dinner. So those are those sneaky Christmas gifts that you're actually giving half the gift back to yourself, right? But uh, I didn't feel bad about that. We really did have a blast. So Father Jan, he, he finally cashed in this Christmas gift just last week, And we went down to Newport-on-the-Levee and we saw the film Lone Survivor. I'm sure many of you have either seen it or heard about this movie, and it's been in the news quite a bit. It's, I have to admit, somewhat of a gruesome movie, and the language definitely leaves a lot to be desired, but you can see they're trying to recreate what real war, what this real conflict was like. And those of you who haven't seen uh, the movie Lone Survivor, it's about, it's a true story, about a team of four Navy SEALs who are deployed in Afghanistan, and they receive news that there are some Taliban leaders in a village not too far away. So they deploy these four Navy SEALs into the mountains surrounding this Afghani village, right, to go and to find out for sure or not if these Taliban leaders are really there in this village, right? Then later in to call in an air raid or call in the forces uh, to take them out. So this team of Navy SEALs, they're dropped in by, uh, by helicopter. They walk through up in the mountains, they walk through uh, the mountains, they come down a little bit off of the mountains, and they're able to see that this Taliban leader, right, is actually there in the village. So they radio back, and they let the base know that the, ta- these Taliban leaders are there. Uh, and then they kind of bunker down for the night, and they're waiting for support to come in. And as they bunker, bunker down for the night, they hide under these uh, pine trees, but they're discovered by uh, some Afghanis that are herding goats through the mountains. So there's an old man and his two sons. They discover these four Navy SEALs who are hiding, so obviously they tie them up and there's this discussion between the soldiers, right? What are we going to do with these four soldiers? And one of them says, well, you know, this is war. They're, they're just as much like the Taliban. They're an enemy to us. We need to eliminate them or we're going to be found. If we release them, they're going to go down into the village right away. They're going to tell uh, the Taliban that we're here and we're finished. So, argument goes back and forth, and finally the captain stands up and he says, you know, gentlemen, this isn't a democracy. We're going to cut them free, and we're going to hike back up into the mountains, and we're going to call for extraction. That they come, they pull us out, because this mission has been compromised. Right? We can't just shoot these people who are herding goats, innocent civilians. So that's what they do. They cut these Uh, three Afghanis free and sure enough uh, one of the sons, right, one of the Afghanis takes off running down into the village and immediately tells the Taliban that the Americans are up in the mountains. So that sets the stage for this movie, right, there's a gruesome uh, gun battle between uh, numerous Taliban fighters and these navy seals and in the end only one navy seal survives. Right, the other three die Trying to, they're trying to protect each other, right? The Navy SEALs—they're not shooting to protect themselves; they're shooting to protect each other. And in the end, his three friends sacrifice their lives, and he's the only one who makes it out alive, right? The real Navy SEAL has actually been in the news lately. When I was over in Rome, I had the opportunity to go into northern France and visit the military cemetery at Normandy Beach. Right, it's quite an impressive thing right, to see where our troops right, World War II invaded Europe right, to push back uh, the Nazi regime. And to see that there's over 9,000 American soldiers who are buried at Normandy Cemetery. And it's quite something, because I remember everyone who was there, myself included, you find yourself walking down these rows Of white crosses right these graves of soldiers and you find yourself just simply contemplating these graves remembering what they've done and simply saying thank you it's not like you really do a whole lot there it's not like you really say a whole lot it's simple beholding contemplating looking at what they've done and saying thank you over a million people visit that cemetery every year over a million so whether it's a movie or whether it's a cemetery or some monument we naturally are drawn towards remembering and thanking those who have given their lives for our freedom. Right? If you think about it, it's something that we're naturally drawn to. Why has the movie Lone Survivor been such a success, right? It is the most successful movie that's been released so far this year, right? By far. Why has it been so much of a success? Why a million people go to Normandy Cemetery to visit, to look, to contemplate, and to say thank you? Because there's something within us that those who sacrifice their lives for me and my freedom were naturally drawn to say thank you. This past Sunday, we celebrated the Feast of the Baptism of our Lord. Right? It was the end of the Christmas season. Right? All the Christmas lights come down. And this Sunday, we begin ordinary time. We begin this whole season of ordinary time. It's the first Sunday where we have readings that are proper to ordinary time and this ordinary time will bring us all the way up to the culmination of the passion and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ at Holy Week and Easter. So it'd be logical to think the church is giving us this gospel passage for a reason. The church so to speak knows that we have this journey in ordinary time and the church gives us this evening's gospel passage, as a, I don't know how to say, it, as a way, as a guideline for us throughout our entire journey. And what happens? What did we read about in this evening's gospel passage? Jesus appears on the scene to begin his public ministry. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb. Of God who takes away the sins of the world behold the Lamb of God what is John saying I mean why does he call Jesus Christ the lamb why a lamb well you see in the time of the Jews back then the lamb was the animal that was used par excellence in their sacrifices The lamb is what every Jew would bring with him on the feast of the Passover and sacrifice in the temple as a sin offering for himself and his family. The lamb, every Jew, when they thought of a lamb, they thought of that animal which is sacrificed instead of them. Right? It goes back to that moment in Exodus when the people of Israel are brought out of Egypt from the slavery of Egypt, receive their freedom from God, right? and yet they sacrifice these lambs so that the angel of death will pass over their homes. Behold the Lamb of God. John the Baptist is saying, this isn't just any lamb. This is the Lamb of God of God. This is the lamb that's been promised since the time of Abraham was going to sacrifice his son Isaac, right? And Isaac turns to his father and says, Father, where is the lamb of sacrifice? That question that remains unanswered until Jesus appears on the scene in today's gospel passage. And John says, behold, the lamb of God. It's God's lamb that's being brought and sacrificed. My dear brothers and sisters, the church gives us this passage. Why? because we're going to hear about all these different events in the life of jesus christ all these different teachings that come from jesus christ from now all the way up until easter and what is the attitude we're supposed to have as we're remembering as we're hearing all these things that jesus is doing and teaching and telling us we're supposed to remember that this is the lamb of god we're supposed to behold the lamb of god behold He who has sacrificed his life so that you may be free. The church is saying all of this that we're going to hear throughout ordinary time. Remember, behold all of that through the lens of one who has sacrificed his life so that you may be free, free from sin. You also probably. Have real you've probably realized that these words behold the Lamb of God Behold him who takes away the sins of the world Are the words that the priest says as he holds the host over the chalice before communion? The priest says behold the Lamb of God So not only should it be a theme as we travel throughout ordinary time But the church reminds us that this is central to our faith. Right before you receive Jesus Christ, remember he is the one who has sacrificed his life for your freedom. At every Mass, we're reminded of that. At the end of the movie, Lone Survivor, the Navy SEAL who survived, right, is reminiscing a little bit about the event. And you hear his words there at the end of the movie. And he says the following... He says, there's a part of me that died on that hill. And even though I'm alive today, and even though I am free, part of me remains on that hill. The hill where his three companions died to save him. He says, part of me remains on that hill and always will. My dear brothers and sisters, can we say that the the same is true of us? When we hear the words, behold the Lamb of God, can we say that there's a part of me that remains on that hill, the hill of Calvary? That even though today I'm very much alive, even though today I am very much free from my sin, it's because of Jesus Christ. Every time I hear the words, Behold the Lamb of God, can I say that there's a part of me that remains on the hill of Calvary?